But as, uh, you know, we had a lot of stuff going on this morning, but the reason I really wanted to show Taylor's video still was, uh, it shows the power of prayer. We want to be a praying church. Nothing happens apart from God. But it also shows the power of a childlike faith. The humility that children have and uh, recognizing that there's lots of things that they can't do, but that God can. And they want to take these things to God in prayer. Taylor understands the power of prayer. My children understand the power of prayer. Amelia always, if something goes wrong, wants to pray. And I'm going to guess that if you have children that are young children, or you had children who were young and you raised them up in the church, at times you recognize the faith of your children as well. Our children, children just naturally run to God with their problems. So we should watch our children and we can learn from our children. We can learn what Jesus meant in Matthew 18, 3, when he said, unless you repent and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And today you may have your children with you. And uh, this is part of why I wanted to share this as well. Because we hear all the time that parents get a little anxious about their children being in the service with them. And we have intentionally set the service up so it's not the same time as Sunday school because we want children in the service. We want them in the service. And no child is as loud to anyone else as they are to their own parents. (laughs) So, whereas you think they're being loud and horrible and, oh my goodness, this is so bad, people are going to be upset, nobody else cares. You know, and if the people around you do care, well, then that's something they need to work on, right? We need to get in a better place then if we can't handle a child making a little bit of noise in a pew. And I can say that as the parent of young children who sometimes goes beyond the little bit of noise volume. (laughs) As uh, last two weeks ago, my two-year-old, they sit in the front pew in the traditional service as well, and he decided to take off. So he ran around the pew, and my wife took off after him, and they literally ran laps around that pew until, and my wife had to lead the hymn, so she had to get up front. <laughs> and finally she gave up, stopped, and he was coming, and she lounged over, lunged over, and, and grabbed him across the pew. I assure you, I have not seen your children do that. <laughs> and you know what? It was still okay. It is important that we have your children here. And I'm passionate about this because when I came here and I took over the youth um, in 2012, so many of our youth had really never been to a service. And you could tell because when they graduated, they never came down to a service. And I don't want that to happen with your children. I want our children in here because we can learn a lot from our children in here playing in the pews because if you watch them you'll recognize that they are playing with a carefree joy 
Last Sunday when I was at Gary, my two oldest were playing catch in the front pew with the stuffed animal that they brought. That I did kind of give them a, one of these and they stopped playing catch. But, but there's a carefree joy to them. They're not concerned about what people around them think. They're not concerned about what's happening later in the day. They're just being present in the moment. And C.S. Lewis says that that is where we all should be because this present moment, the moment you are in right now, this present moment is where time touches eternity. You will never be closer to God than you are in the present moment. Take a page from the kids in our church. Stop worrying so much about what other people think. Follow the path that they are on and just be present in that moment. Today we're going to talk about the two paths that we can choose because there are two paths that we all get to take. Our passage is in Luke 19, it's 28 to 40. So if you would open with me. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Tell them, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told them. As they they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road, when he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Ol- goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, "Teacher, rebuke your disciples." I tell you, he replied, "If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for this day. Lord, pour your spirit out on this place. Speak to each one of us wherever we're at. And Father, whether you speak to us through the music, speak to us through um, Melody's demonstration or the or Taylor's video or Kaylee. Kaylee and Ella's uh, presentation, Father, or through the sermon, Lord, we pray that you would speak to each one of us wherever we're at. And maybe, Lord, you'll even speak to us, to the children, through the children around us. But speak to each one of us wherever we're at, Lord. Reveal to us what our next step is in our walk with you. Reveal to us which path we may already be on. Reveal to us what you would have us do, where you would have us go. Oh, Lord, show us your ways and help us to be faithful in following them. 
Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's said that on that first Palm Sunday, there were two processions. One procession came from the east, and that was Jesus riding from uh, Jericho down to Bethany, from down to Bethany and, and into Jerusalem. The other, it is said, and I don't know that this happened on Palm Sunday, I can't find the actual reference. It's written in a lot of places, and I tried to go back farther to find the reference. So, but Pilate also rode in from the west. Pontius Pilate lived in Caesarea, which is northwest of, of Jerusalem, so he would have ridden down and then over and in through the west side of Jerusalem. And I don't know if he came on Palm Sunday, but at some point he rode in because he would take a legion in for every uh, <clears throat> Jewish festival. Because oftentimes Jewish festivals got a little rowdy and there were uprisings and people getting upset with the Romans and they would want to, um, so the Romans would quell them, those uprisings. So we know for sure that at some point before this festival, um, Pilate also came in from the West. And there were two very different processions. When Pilate came in, he was, would have been riding a stallion with a chariots behind him, with soldiers in armor, with uh, nobility. And they came all via the path that we're going to call the path of the world. They came through a path of pride. Everything about them was to elevate them above the people. You know, we, <clears throat> unlike our children, like we were talking about, tend to also concern ourselves with the things of this world, with how we appear, what we, what we wear, what we drive, where we live, you know, sometimes how we act, wanting to act superior to others. How many friends we have, how many followers we have on, on social media. But these are all acts of pride. And pride leads to some bad places. Pride is the root of all of our sin. Satan fell because of his pride I will, I will, I will, five times, ending with I will make myself like the Most High. Satan's sin was pride. <clears throat> Eve ate the apple because of pride. She wasn't just hungry. She recognized that she could have something that wasn't hers, that she wanted and that was more important to her at that moment than what God had wanted. She elevated herself to a higher position than God. That first sin was ultimately a sin of pride. Adam, same thing. Pride was the cause of the fall, putting ourselves above God, saying, I deserve it. My happiness is what is most important. No one can tell me what is right and wrong. I will choose what is right and wrong. That is pride. And we know that that path of pride leads, again, to terrible places. 
I'm just going to assume that all of you know the great mystic Yoda. (laughs) Yoda says, fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. And it's interesting because I would say that uh, pride leads to some dark places. And we're going to see in a little bit how fear is a response to that path of pride. But that path of pride goes like this. Pride leads to selfishness. Pride leads to it being all about me. Nobody else really matters but my feelings, what I want. How many of you have had friendships with a really selfish person? (laughs) Anybody ever had serious conversations with somebody who was just really selfish, where it was all about them? Don't raise your hand if the person is sitting next to you, unless you have another example for when you leave here. But I've had some of those conversations and relationships. And I'm not talking where our friend is just going through a difficult time, so they're trying to just work through it. I'm talking about every conversation just tends to turn back to them. And it becomes very clear that you're just being used to give them something. Selfishness is that first step through pride, down that path of pride. And when we become that kind of selfish, selfishness leads to loneliness. Nobody wants to be around that person who has made it all about themselves. Selfishness leads to loneliness. (coughs) Excuse me. And ultimately, selfishness will lead to despair. Because when, when we've lost the few people who would talk to us, now all we have is our stuff from our, that we were hoarding up so that we could elevate ourselves. We've lost our friends. When we start to lose that stuff, which that stuff is always fleeting, and whether we lose it because of whatever reason or it just loses its shine to where it stops being important, then that loneliness leads us to despair because what are we living for at that point? What are we holding on to? The stuff doesn't matter anymore. The people are gone. Ultimately, that path of pride leads us to despair. But thank God, thank God that there is a second path. And that is the path that Jesus rode in on from the east, that path of humility You see, Jesus rode in, Pilate rode in on a stallion. Jesus rode in on a donkey. Pilate rode in being followed by soldiers and chariots and nobility. Jesus rode in being followed by fishermen and tax collectors and and the poor. Pilate rode in in gaudy imperial robes, showing how high he was above the rest of the world. Jesus rode in with the robes of an ordinary man, showing how low he had become for our sake. Pilate rode in on that path of pride, but Jesus rode in on a path of humility, showing us a better way.
And when we come in on that path of humility, it leads us first to wisdom and understanding. We talked about the Beatitudes a few weeks ago. I think, that, I think it was a few weeks ago. And this is very much what Jesus talks about. When we come to him in humility, the first thing that will happen is we will gain wisdom and understanding. Because King David says in Psalm 111, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. And we, when we recognize how low we are, our real place compared to how awesome God is, we will have a healthy fear of God. And when I say a healthy fear of God, of course, you probably know I don't mean that we're afraid of God. But we have a, an awe for God, a respect for God, a love for God. And it is that fear that leads us to desire to know more about our God. And as we pray and we study and we learn about him, we grow in wisdom and understanding. And as we grow in wisdom and understanding, then the next step is we hopefully will grow in righteousness. That when we understand who God is, we will begin to live the way he has called us to live. Humility will lead us to live a righteous life but not out of fear, being afraid of God. We don't live righteously because we're afraid that God's going to punish us or we're afraid that God's going to abandon us. But we live the way God has called us to live because we love God. We have an awe of God, a respect for God. Growing up, I made lots of mistakes, but I loved my parents. And I never wanted to displease my parents. But sometimes I screwed up. But I really tried to live a life that they would be proud. But I was never afraid that they would hurt me. I was never afraid that they would abandon me. But I tried doing things right just because I loved my parents. That is what we're talking about with God. Living humbly and recognizing our place with God should draw us into righteous living. And as we are growing in wisdom and understanding, and that leads us to righteous living, then we will become deeper in our relationship with God. I had youth a few years ago who were all smarter than me, um, they probably still are, but they would come to me at, at, after youth group and stuff, and they would say to me, we want to go deeper. And I'd ask them, well, what do you mean you want to go deeper? What do you want to study? What do you want to go deeper in? And they didn't know what they wanted to learn or what they wanted to go deeper. And ultimately, I told them, look, you want to go deeper, Right now, for you, going deeper means living what we've already talked about. Because as we live the way God has called us to live, as we do the things we learn through the word of God and we start living that way, God will take us deeper. We will have a greater understanding as we are living for him. You can only go so deep if all you're doing is studying. We have to live the way God, the way God has called us to live and then we'll go deeper in our relationship with him, culminating in 
what John of the Cross would call union with God. And I share this with you all the time because I so believe that this is true. That as we get closer to him, we can get so close to God that we can know his will. We can recognize his voice. We can sense his presence. Do you believe that that is possible? Because oftentimes, I look around and I think that we have a lot of people who say, I think I can know God better, but you don't really get the depth of how well we can know God if we will lay down all the things of this world and walk that path of humility towards him. God wants union with us that we may be one with him. That is possible. And Jesus showed us that path on that Palm Sunday. And we also see in this passage that there's two responses to those paths. The response to Pilate was fear. Having Roman soldiers come into the city knowing what is about to happen if anything, if any uprisings are begun. There's fear in that. But also on that path of pride, the fear that we tend to face is the fear of losing what we have. We are holding so tight to the things of this world because we think that is what will make us happy. We think that is what we need. I have heard stories of so many of our pastors around our country for these giant churches who are so afraid of losing what they have, losing their 15,000 member churches that they begin to do irrational things because at some point they stopped trusting God. At some point they stopped being humble and started thinking that it was about them and they held on so tight. They were so afraid of losing it that they made really bad decisions. That is the path and the response. That is the response to the path of pride. But the response to the path of humility is hope. As Jesus walked in, riding on a donkey, not wearing anything special, no dignitaries following him, the people responded and they laid down their cloaks for, him to, for this donkey to walk on. The response to that path of humility is hope. And this fear and this hope is twofold. It's a fear and a hope for today, but also a fear and a hope for eternity. Because that path of pride leads to destruction. That path of pride leads to hell. And maybe when you're one of the people who believes there is no hell, oh, the, the word says Sheol, it just means grave, or, or Gehenna, which just means a place. But Jesus is pretty clear in his word about hell. He's clear in the passage about the rich man and Lazarus that the rich man is not just in a grave. He is in a fiery place, and he longs for Lazarus just to dip his finger in water and touch his tongue. Jesus is talking about hell. In the parable of the, of the dinner feast or the banquet, one person ends up, Jesus tells this parable, a person walks in and they don't have on the wedding clothes, meaning that they haven't gotten rid of the things of the world and dressed in their new clothes with Christ. 
And Jesus says, bind his hands and his feet and throw him out into the pit where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus is talking about hell. And in Matthew 28, when Jesus says, do not be afraid of the one who can kill the body, but fear the one who can kill both the body and the soul. He is talking about hell. That path of pride, the path that the things of this world will take you down is that path of destruction. But again, praise God that Jesus came into Jerusalem from the east, riding on this path of humility. Because that path of humility leads to eternal life. It leads to that, to a hope of that union with God today. But better than that, it leads to a union with God for eternity. We have two paths that we can choose. And perhaps, most likely you don't even know it, but you've already chosen one of those paths. And I don't know what that path is for either one of, for any of you, but you are on one of those paths right now. So let's be conscious about where we're at and let's make a choice today to follow the path that leads to life. Because I ask that you would take the path that leads to wisdom and understanding over possessions and reputation. The path that leads to righteousness over comfort. The path that leads to seeking union with God over compromise with this world. Choose the path that Jesus showed us. Choose the path of humility today. Turn back to Christ. Would you pray with me? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for this day. Merciful God, as, as we enter this holy week, we pray that you would turn our hearts back to Jerusalem, to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Stir up within us the gift of faith that we may not only praise you with our lips, but that we may follow the way of the cross. Lord, help us to take this path of humility, that we would seek you with our whole hearts, and that we would let go of the things of this world. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We have a time now for reflection. The altars are always open. We have people who will come up and pray with you if you want to come and pray. Reflect on where you are. Reflect on where God is calling you. It's also our time of offering, so you can reflect on how God has blessed you and how we can get back to God. The offering baskets are in the back, as always. I just encourage you to really spend a moment asking God to reveal to you which path you are on.
Jesus is calling Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling Oh, come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was brought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no Sorrows and trade and joy From the ashes a new life is born Jesus is calling Oh, come to the altar The Father's arms are open Forgiveness was brought with
Cross.